Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 139. We're going to be in verse 7, Psalms 139. And then we're going to go to Luke 15 for a few minutes also. So Psalms 139 and Luke 15. And as you're turning there, um, last week I mentioned that I was getting something new. I thought I was getting a chocolate lab puppy, but I'm pretty convinced I got a piranha. If you can see my arms... Um, and my legs, because um, she loves to sneak me and tell me how much she loves me. And I, I, I have this skin that I used to laugh at my grandpa's about years ago when they would walk and bump and blood would run everywhere. And I would laugh at them about that. Now I'm that person because literally she'll do this. And I look and I got blood dripped all over the floor in my office. But uh, she, she's a real mess. And so hopefully um, I almost brought her this morning to let her see y'all, but she probably would have bit y'all too. But um, her name is Oakley because she is from Oklahoma is her call name. And her, but her registered name, y'all know how we register all our dogs' verses, is John 13, 34, where it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved also. So that, that's her name, and, and I have a lot of high hopes for her. She's, um, that's the first puppy I've had in a while that I can say, ooh, I think this puppy's going to have it. So, um, but um, she, she's a mess. Anyway, that's enough about my puppy and about my arms. I didn't want y'all to think that Tammy was clawing me up and stuff like that. But um, this morning we're back on um, 139 in Psalms where we're talking about search me. And what does that mean to be searched? And last week we, we, we established, you know, just how well God knows us and all that. And um, this week we're going to be talking about just the depth of that love. And I'll be honest, I don't know that I understand completely at times how much God loves me. You know, and have you ever thought about how much does God love you? To what extent does God's love go for us? And whenever we, you know, you, you hear me mention a lot about, you know, he, he loved us enough that he sent his son to live and die and be crucified for us and be resurrected. But I think sometimes it's hard to still grasp the magnitude of that love. And so, you know, I hope this morning that we can, can kind of establish that a little bit more because I really believe that last week we talked about how much he loves us and how well he knows us. And this week if we can understand the depth of that love, I'm convinced it'll change our walk with God. You know, it'll make us want to live more for him. It'll make us want to please him more. It'll make us want to spend time with him, you know. And, you know, and I know I've mentioned before, but years ago, years ago I was sitting in my office and, that's when Jared Hegwood was on staff here, and Jared, Jared was um, kind of doing Minister of Education stuff and uh, filling a lot of gaps for us. And, you know, when he comes sat in my office and, and he said some words to me, he said, Johnny said, when was the last time you read your Bible just to enjoy God? And whenever I, I thought about that, and I'll be honest, I, I kind of got a little frustrated with Jared. We're like, how dare you question how much I love God? But it was the truth at that point in my life. I was doing stuff in Dental Springs High School on one day. On Monday, I was at Live Oak High School on Tuesday. I was back at Live Oak High School on Wednesday. I was back at Live Oak High School on Friday. I was preparing to speak for um, our youth service. And, and also, every time I picked my Bible up, I was preparing for the next devotion or the next message. And when he said those words to me, it kind of stung. And I said, you know what, Jared? I honestly can't tell you the last time I just picked my Bibles up, my Bible up with just the intention of falling in love with God more, not to study. 
You know, and so that this morning, I hope that as we unpack this a little bit more, that we'll, we'll leave here wanting to do that more if that makes sense. Because when we really understand the depth of the love that he has for us, this is his love letter. You know, this is his love letter. Whenever I was doing my, my nephew's wedding a couple of months ago and, and part of the wedding, I actually give him a Bible and I said, this, this is the only thing that you need to get through your marriage. You know, if you really fall in love with this and if you study this, you and your wife together, your marriage will be rock solid strong. But we have to understand how much God loved us. So anyway, so in Psalms 139, we're going to start in verse 7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And if I say, surely darkness will hide me, and the light became night around me, even, in a dark, even the darkness will not be too dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is a light to you. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, this morning, Father, let us really see, really see how much you love us. Father, just open our hearts, our souls, and our minds, Father. Let us put our week behind us, Father, so that we can hear from you and you only this morning. In Son's name I pray. Amen. So, you know, whenever you start reading that and you really start looking, go ahead and turn with me over to Luke 15. Go to Luke 15. Luke 15. And uh, we're going to start in verse 1 there. Luke 15, verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, when you hear those words, you know, again, I want you to see the depth of God's love because whenever he was looking at these Pharisees, you know, and, and we talk about them guys a lot, they were, in their mind, they were trying to destroy Jesus and destroy his reputation. And so even right then, you know, they say, why, why is this man sitting with sinners? Why is he welcoming sinners? Why is he hanging out with sinners? And Jesus started immediately telling stories. He said, let me, let me tell you something. And he brought it into the world that they could understand. And he says, look, if you had 100 sheep and one of them come missing, you're going to go look for it, right? And they all agreed. And then when you find it, you're going to have a party, right? Because that's, that's money back in the bank for them to have that sheep back. And he said, I tell you that heaven is even going to have more rejoicing over one sinner that repents than over the 99 righteous. How much does he love us? To what extent does he go? 
you know, even like in this parable that he just told, what did he say? He said, you're going to leave the 99 in the open field and you're going to go do whatever it takes. You're going to go up through the highest mountain, the lowest part of the valley. You're going to go through the thickest brush. You're going to do whatever it takes to find that one sheep. Well, that's my love for you. Because we go back in Psalms 139, what does it say? It says it don't matter how high you go. You know, think of, it paints a vivid picture. Think about the picture it's painting. It don't matter how high you go or how low you go or how far you go, I'm going to be there with you. It don't matter how dark it gets, he's the light and he's going to see you. Well, that ought to excite you. You know, to me, it excites me to know. But then at the same time, for a lot of people, it scares us to death. Because what happens to us? You know, what, what do we do? You know, because this picture, where do we hide? We hide in our sin, don't we? We start, we get caught up in sin. We get caught up in doing the things of life and the things that we shouldn't be doing that's not following God. And we want to hide in that. Or we hide in doubt. How many of us hide in doubt? When you doubt your ability, you doubt your, your ability to be able to walk close to God and do what God's calling you to do. You know, and that list can keep going on and on about the things we hide in. Let me just run through some um, characters in a Bible and about where they kind of hid. Adam and Eve. We'll start at the very beginning. Adam and Eve. Remember what happened whenever they ate of that forbidden fruit? Their eyes was immediately opened. And what did they do? They hid from God. And at this point, God was, was walking with them in the garden. But they couldn't hide from him. What did he do? He found them. He covered them. You know, it said that, that he made clothes for them. You know, why did he do it? Because he loved them. He loved them. John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the front runner for Jesus. His whole purpose in life from the time in the womb was to be the front runner for Jesus. You know, was it, you know, he was in camel's hair. He was a man's man. You know, he was the one that was going around screaming, repent, 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 and bringing people to God. You know, but what, what happened to him when he got put in jail? He questioned if Jesus was really the Messiah. He says, I know I baptized him, but is this the same guy that I baptized? So what did he do? He sent a couple of the guys that was running with him. He said, go check him out. Go check him out. And them guys went and they watched as Jesus was healing people and restoring sight and restoring people's legs to them to where they can walk and all that, bringing people back from the dead. And so they watched and they went back and they said, he's legit. This is really Jesus the Messiah. You know, so even, even John the Baptist hid in doubt for a little bit. Simon Peter, Simon, you know, Peter, whenever Peter was, Peter was walking with Jesus, literally, day in, day out, Peter was the man. Peter was in Jesus' top three. He was in that inner circle. You know, he was the one that Jesus was pouring into even while he was sleeping. He didn't know he was getting poured into by Jesus. And when Jesus asked him about what did Peter say, I'll, I'll, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. And then what happened? Three times before the rooster crowed. But then what did Jesus do? What did God do? God come back and not only restored him, but he said, feed my sheep. You know, sure, sure. You, you messed up. Sure, you denied me. But let me show you how much I'm going to love you. 
I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to use you in a big way. Elijah. You know, I, I love the story of Elijah. Elijah literally calls fire down from heaven. And I'm just being Johnny for a few minutes. I would love to go set something up in the middle of Watson and watch God call fire down on it. Would it not change our community? And right here, Elijah does that. You know, all the other prophets, false prophets, was dancing and cutting themselves and all that and couldn't get Baal to answer them. But then uh, Elijah walks out, and in a whisper, God sends fire down, and they see God. And so then they start taking control. But then what happens to Elijah? You know, you would think right there, Elijah would be walking around with his chest bowed out a little bit inside, you know, thinking, look what I just did. Look how close I am to God. But then when the king's wife Jezebel found out about this, and she put out a death warrant on Elijah, Elijah got human. And he run and he hid. But what happened? Even in that, God restored him, but then he took him up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Moses, when you look at the life of Moses, Moses doubted God, run from God, hid from God in a foreign country. But then God restored him. And because of the grace of God, God used Moses in a huge way to deliver his people. King David. King David was a man after God's own heart. You know, King David was the one that, you know, but King David was a sinner. And he messed up in more ways. He would be a movie if you just did the life of David. But what happened? God restored him. And what did David do? David worshiped God. A man after God's own heart. Mary and Martha, these were two, and Lazarus, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they was like this with Jesus. Jesus, when he'd go through, that's where he would stay, and he would live life with them and stuff like that. And then what happened when Lazarus died? Mary and Martha doubted and said, you know what, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have only come when we sent for you, our brother would still be here. And God restored their faith by bringing their brother back. Abraham, he's known as the father of our faith. And yet Abraham and Sarah laughed at God when he said, you know something, I'm going to give you a son. And they said, we're too old for this. And I hope he never tests Johnny and Tammy like that. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You know, I'm okay, God. You don't have to give me a son in my late age, you know, my late age like that. But they laughed at God. And God come through and proved them wrong, and showed just how big he was. Jesus, Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, even Jesus said, you know something, God, if there's another way, but if not, I'll do it. And then those three words that Jesus spoke, whenever he said, it is finished, then it was the beginning for us. So what's the depth of God's love? How do we run? How do we hide from somebody when we just went through a whole list of what we would probably say is our heroes in the Bible, and there's lots more. And we've seen how they struggle, and we've seen how they run, and how God brought them back, and he used them, and he restored them, and he built them back up. 
And then for us, we say, well, he can never use me. Well, Brother Johnny, you don't know the sin that I have. You don't know the sin that I have. But yet my God loves me, and he restores me, and he uses me. So why do we run from God? Why do we run from God? It's just our human nature, I think. I mean, even, even little babies, when they first are starting to learn to walk, you know, and they, and they get into something they know they're not supposed to, what do they do? They hide. You know, Paige, my oldest one, she's 29 now, about to be 30. Tammy's getting old. But I can, when Paige was little, I've got to, if you go in my, in my den right now by my recliner, and you look by my recliner, I keep a can of peanuts. I've done that for years. And if I'm sitting there watching TV, I'll eat a few peanuts. I, it's just a nervous habit. I love peanuts. I was just telling Mark that I start my day, I eat two spoons of peanut butter every morning. I, that's my, I love peanuts. But Paige was little, and we were still living in our house trailer that we had first had when we got married. And, and me and Tammy was in the kitchen. And in our house trailer, like when you walked in the front door, as soon as you walked in, you had the, the kitchen and the dining room was one room, you know, if, any, if you've ever lived in a house trailer. And then there was a bar, and then it was open to the living room. So me and Tammy's in the kitchen cooking supper, getting ready for supper that evening, and Paige is little. And all of a sudden, you don't see her, but you can hear Munch, 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 munch. So I kind of sidestepped. Well, she done opened my peanuts, and she was sitting there hiding, eating my peanuts. Don't we do the same thing? We hide. But when we read this scripture, and we start looking over here in Psalms, when you start looking, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There's nowhere. You can't get high enough. You can't get low enough. You can't get far enough over here or over here. You can't get it dark enough to hide from him. But yet, we do it. It's our human nature. We want to run from God. And what, what causes that? And again, that list can go on for days. It can be money. It can be success. You know, it can be just life. We can use our kids and our grandkids to hide from God. We can use our hobbies. We can use all kinds of things to hide from God. But we need to understand we're really not hiding. We're just wallowing in our sin. We're wallowing in our things that we want to do. What else happens? I think sometimes we get a distorted view of God. You know, sometimes we look at God and we think that he's sitting up there with a bull whip waiting on us to mess up so that he can go, wah Some of us have a distorted view of God because we've been hurt. And I want you to hear what I'm telling you. A lot of us will blame the church. Say, well, I've been hurt by church. No, you've been hurt by people in the church, not by the church. Hear what I'm telling you. And what we really need to understand is if we're doing church right, if we're doing church right, church is full of a bunch of messed up people. And that's why we can't put our focus on people. We have to put our focus on God and God alone. But what happens? We get a distorted view of God and we'll say, well, the church has hurt me. So I'm not going back to church anymore. We need to understand the depth of God's love. We need to understand, you know, that there's nothing that we can do. That he's not going to find us. 
And he's going to pick us up and dust us off and say, I love you. I love you. Because what does it tell us in Romans 8, verse 28? What's that verse tell us? That he's going to use everything for good. Sure, we messed up over here. But then we can take what we messed up over here and we can come over here and we can use it and say, let me tell you how big my God is. Let me tell you, I couldn't hide from my God well enough. And he restored me and he loved me and he put me on a path. But we have to be willing to do it. But to be willing to do it, we have to understand the depth of God's love. We have to understand what he's willing to do for us. Father, we come to you right now, Lord, just to say that we love you. Father, and I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for not giving up on me. Father, and I'm sure that there's a lot of us in here that could echo that. But Father, right now, right now, in this moment, Father, if there's some sitting in here that's never surrendered to you, Father, they've never asked you for forgiveness and never asked you to become the Lord of their life. Father, that today, May 23rd, 2021, will be that day. Father, for some of us, we need to come back. Father, we, we know now that we can't hide from you. Father, that we can't run from you. Father, that you're right there. Father, we love you. Father, and I thank you for today. Father, and again, I thank you for your love. And I thank you for what you're doing here. Here. Son's name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And um, just be obedient to what God's calling this morning. For some of us, it might be to start that journey with him and ask him to become the Lord of our life. Or for some of us, it might be repentance. For some of us, it might be that we need to walk into that water like what's going to happen in 1030 today with the with the gentleman that's um, coming today because he understands now what baptism is. For some of us, it might be to make Live Oak Baptist our home. But I'm going to be down here. Brother Mike's going to be down here. There's cards like Brother Frank mentioned. There's hard copy cards in the windows. We got QR codes. You can come talk to us. We've, given you, we've taken away every excuse. You can write it on a piece of paper. You can fill it in on your phone or you can come see us. But don't leave today without, without being obedient.